When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben, and today, as always, we are joined by our super producer, Noel Special Delivery Brown. Ah, I like it. Okay, so as you know, sometimes uh, we will... Noel is a man of many names and many talents, and uh, sometimes... His name is sort of a preview or related to the episode that we're doing today, which is, right? Yeah, which is listener mail. It's, listener mail. It's all listener mail today, and uh, I don't think we'll stray from that. Usually in Nuts and Bolts, we try to throw in some other stuff. Right. You know, stuff Scott sees, yeah. stuff Ben sees, mm-hmm. um, just interesting things that we've uh, we've we've come across, uh, some leftover tidbits from other stories that we've done. But uh, today, we're just going to focus on listener mail because we get so much listener mail now that uh, we're, it's impossible to answer all of it. Um, every day we try to answer as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Oftentimes it's, it's far less than I would like to answer, uh, because we get a lot of really good mail from our, our listeners and with a lot of good suggestions. So if you haven't heard back from us recently, we are still reading our mail. We're still right. compiling the, uh, the ever popular list that's, uh, that is enormous. It's a huge mm-hmm. list now at this point, uh, of potential topics to choose from. Um, but we are reading it and we are, we're listening to you and we are occasionally able to record some episodes with some of those suggestions. Um, right. You're at least twice a week. You're really good at responding to the emails. Often, often I am less likely to respond to emails. I read them though. I read every single one. Yeah, you do. And he's he's more of a social media guy. And you, uh, you typically beat me to the punch on a, uh, on responding to an email. And usually you say everything that I would have said. Works out perfectly. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, my friend. Uh, uh, one time, quite recently, though, I beat you to the punch writing back to Rudy. I guess you did. I was uh, very proud of that. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. <laughs> and, uh, oh, you know what? That's, uh, that's something that we should just talk about because, what's that? um, and, and I don't even have the note here in front of me, but, uh, Rudy, who a lot of people will know, he's a, he's a, a longtime car stuff listener. Sure. Good friend of the show. Writes in often with lots of, uh, lots of comments about the show, lots of feedback, lots of, uh, of, again, some great suggestions. And, um, I think you wrote in about our podcast that we did on uh, the highway safety films. Yeah. And said that uh, he wasn't particularly a fan of taking a topic and stretching it out to three episodes. 
Right, yeah, because the only other time, and he knows this too, the only other time that we ever did this was with uh, Preston Tucker, right? Yeah, and we've that, had many part two episodes. Sure. Uh, that, that stretch to two parts, uh, just mm-hmm. where we can't fit it in, and it's it just is worthy of just a little bit more. But, uh, man, that Highway Safety Films Foundation, or Highway Safety Films uh, story, rather, yeah. was uh, was so... That was a bear. So rich with material. Yeah. Um, and it, there's probably more coming if we can talk to the uh, the producer, rather the director of that show, mm-hmm. or that, that documentary. Uh, Brett Wood, I think is the guy's name. Yeah, yeah, he's, local Atlanta filmmaker. Yeah, he's he's local, so we can maybe get him in the studio at some point. We have a connection with him yeah. uh, in, in the office here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I wondered if other listeners uh, feel the same about episodes that go that long. or As I know, some people like a longer format. Sure. They've got a long drive to make. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one topic that spans, you know, a couple of episodes or even three in some rare mm-hmm. cases, but just kind of throwing that out there. What do you, what do you look yeah, listeners think? Know. Do you, do you yeah. want two parters? Do you want three parters even? Um, do you prefer it all to be in one go? Yeah. You know, one straight shot. Yeah. Uh, so let us know. I'm going to pepper in our email address a couple times throughout this episode. So you remember, but you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. We are car stuff. HSW at both of them, and that's your place to see things that don't always make it to the air. But what we're going to do now is uh, read through some of this mail, respond on air, and you might be on the show with us today, especially if your name is Jonathan M. Jonathan, you wrote to us about the Damaxian car. Now that's the remember Scott, that's the three wheel uh the three wheeler that Buckminster Fuller designed. Yes, yes, that thing shows up occasionally <laughs> at um well, it's it, it, at um, uh, concourse events sometimes. Yeah, right? yeah, I it mean, was. It's, it's lovingly restored to uh, to better than new condition, really. Right, uh, and beautiful. Uh, it's. Um, I, I can't remember if the current one that you can see now is a recreation, a replica, or just a restoration. Um, I suspect it may be a restoration, but there's a video that came out recently. Here, I'll just I'll just read what Jonathan already already said here. I ran across this today from Auto Week. Looks like an interesting car. I love when you guys dig into the rare cars and their respective builders. I think this article makes the car seem impressive because of how bad it was versus how good Bucky claimed it to be. And um Jonathan, thank you for sending in this link. It's a it's a link to a video that I, I had seen it floating around a little bit earlier too. I think we might have put it on Twitter, where it's just people trying to drive the Demaxian car to, I believe, a Concours event. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I think the car looks unique, I think there's some really cool aesthetic things about it. But the steering is terrible. The 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 engine itself, by the way, is located at the back. This has that um. What is it? Tadpole design? Yeah. Yeah, two front wheels, one in the back. Uh, the steer, the power is in the two front wheels, despite the fact that it's a rear mounted really, engine pretty much. Really strange. So yeah. you still have the issue of having the drive shaft go the, the full length of the vehicle. Right, right. And the steering, Scott, you know, oh, is oh, the back wheel. Yeah, okay. That was the other thing is the steering. Okay, so the steering is a little bit weird as well. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a neat looking car. I really do like it. I, I, I like oddball cars like that. So, For sure. Um, it's fascinating. Yeah, uh, but good is, bit of history. Yeah, but is it more than that? I don't know if I think maybe Buckminster Fuller, a brilliant man by all accounts, I think maybe he was a little optimistic. Well, I think it was just more of a design study than anything, really. I mean, yeah, I mean, sure, there's talks of putting it into production. Of course, you know, this is the way of the future. This is the way everything's going to look. But um, uh, honestly, I really think that a lot of the stuff that comes out, you know, they they say that, but again, just a design study to see how it works mm-hmm. and. and 
you know, maybe elements of that will make its way into production. And did we ever do a podcast on the Demaxine car? Oh man, it feels like we've talked about it, but maybe yeah. it was just in a nuts and bolts, or maybe it was a, a concourse show, or maybe you know, somewhere along the way over the years, I know we've mentioned it. Yeah, because we went when we were uh, doing some stuff uh, with Motorama and Dream Cars, we saw some of the original blueprints for the Demaxine. Yeah, we did, and uh, I think it maybe was uh, mentioned with streamlining. Maybe that was that might be it. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that 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 may well be it, but Jonathan, uh, let us know if you think that if you think that one's worth a full podcast. Hmm, I think it is. Yeah, you think so? I, I do. I think right. it is. Well, I've got the list out now, so be be on guard. <laughs> All right. All right. I've got one here. It's from uh, Nick from Chattanooga, Tennessee. And Ben, I'll be honest with you. This uh, this email uh-huh. it's about a year old. Oh, and I just haven't read it on <laughs> any of our uh, you know nuts and bolts or anything like that. And I felt that I should just mention this one because it's a great topic, and we should we definitely should do a show on this. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick says, "Love the show. I've been listening for about a month. I guess about a year and a month. Hopefully, <laughs> if Nick is still listening, uh, maybe not since we didn't read his mail for that long. Um, I've binged I've binged on about 100 shows recently. It says, can y'all do a show about the Enzo Ferrari?" Oh, and how about a show about the man himself, too? Thank you. So, great idea. So, <laughs> yeah. Enzo Ferrari, the car, and the man himself. That's so, I, I think it's a fantastic suggestion. Sorry it took about a year to get to your uh, your email <laughs> finally on the air. You know, it just popped up in a search that I did on my uh, on my Outlook. Uh-huh. And uh, I thought, well, we haven't really read this one yet out loud yet. Let's, uh, let's bring it it's in. It's a great idea. Yeah, I guess so. They, they don't all sit around for that long, I promise you. That's <laughs> true, I guys. I promise you. Usually, we get back to them right away. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Probiotics aren't a trend anymore. They're a mainstay in the health and wellness aisle of your favorite store. And Nature's Way Women's Probiotic Pearls are the easiest way to introduce a probiotic into your routine. I mean, they're just what they sound like. Adorable little pearls that couldn't be easier to take. But they still pack that probiotic punch. Each tiny pearl has one billion active cultures and protect against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort. And they actually support both digestive and vaginal health, so that's a win-win. And according to my little fact sheet here, they're designed with a triple-layer coating that protects each pearl from stomach acid, so they can make it all the way to your small intestine where they're needed most. 
You probably didn't think we'd be talking about the small intestine today, did you? Well, digestive health is kind of important. If you know, you know. To learn more about Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls and how they can fit into your routine, visit naturesway.com. Um, all right, so we've got another one by uh, a guy named uh, Chris Kay, and Chris uh, has been Chris writes into us on a fairly regular basis, mm-hmm. and uh, Chris uh, is responding to Kelly Blue Book. This past weekend, he says, I was at a flea market and a guy had a first edition print of the Kelly Blue Book for sale. I saw it. I didn't think much of it. And then I hear this podcast. I'm wondering if it was worth any money. I wonder. I legitimately don't know. I want to. I'm tempted to say no. Yeah, I would say no as well. Just because if it's well, if it's a first edition print, um, of a trade publication, like even first edition prints of a lot of books are worth less than you think they might be. So in my opinion, Chris, without doing too much research, I think you're safe. I think you made it. Yeah. You know, I don't think it was a bad decision to pass it up, really. I mean, honestly, it's it. I mean, it's an interesting thing to have maybe to put on your bookshelf or lay out on the, co- the coffee table, maybe. But um, I don't think that there's a whole lot of value associated with that. Really, personally, yeah. um, I don't know. I guess maybe you could have to ask some um, antiques dealer, maybe, and see if they have any kind of opinion on, you know, some literature like that and see, mm-hmm. see what it's worth. Um, sorry, we didn't have a good answer for you. <laughs> I, I think mean, that's a good answer. You did. Yeah, I mean, we're you not appraisers. Get, uh, swindled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. That's right. All right. So he writes in and says, hi guys, here's a suggestion for a podcast. Um, why don't you look into the, the, uh, the company called Panos? Is it Panos or Panos? Uh, P-A-N-O-Z. It's a company team organization, and he says, I think they're based in North Georgia, and I remember seeing pictures of some kind of exotic sports car from them several years ago. And, uh, Jonathan, you're exactly right. Uh, this is a company out of Braselton, Georgia, and, in fact, this has a weird association with Road America, or Road Atlanta, rather, uh-huh. um, in Braselton. Um, strange, they, they own, Pan, or Panos owns Road Atlanta, and Panos is owned themselves by NASCAR. Mm-hmm. So NASCAR bought them back in 2012, I think. They're kind of a subsidiary of NASCAR. And then Panos Motorsports, the group, owns Road, the Road Atlanta course. So um, I know it's a company that's only been around since like 1989, I think. A couple of brothers own, own an operator. or uh-huh. Maybe it's, it's a father and son. It's Dan and Don Panos. And um, I think it's a fantastic idea. It's a, it's a yeah. great one. It's a local sports car maker. Um, they've got racing history. So We have to do it. Yeah, definitely. I think we Good will. idea, so, Jonathan. I like it. Okay, and next we've got Doug L. Doug wrote in to say, Hey, Scott and Ben, thanks for the great podcast. I'm a big fan of transportation trivia, and you cover it all. I've gone back and listened to almost every Car Stuff episode. Uh, there's always something new to learn. You are the Duke and Earl of all things automotive. Thank you, Doug. That's very kind. Those yeah. are some big shoes to fill. Very nice. And then those are a lot of episodes to check out. Uh, today I was listening and Peter wrote in with a suggestion about car badges and emblems. I was going to ask for the same thing. My background's in graphic arts, illustrations, plus I'm a gearhead. I'd sketch cars and their logos and the margins of my school notes growing up. The meaning behind logo design fascinates me. You mentioned there might be enough for an episode. I hope you consider doing one. Well, uh, spoiler alert, Doug. Uh, it's in the queue. We just can't say when. Um, but act surprised. Uh, it's coming up. Doug continues to say, 
Also, something else I'd like to learn more about are racetrack push trucks. I've attached a pick of my 1954 pickup I plan to make into an old-school work truck, a cruiser with weathered patina, uh, patina rather, modern upgrades, and no-frills utility. Specifically, I'd like to fashion a specialty bumper like those archive drag strip photos, but I don't see much info out there about the evolution of the push truck behind the scenes. It's usually just the race cars and the drivers that get the glory, obviously. Can't wait to see what you'll uncover in the next episode of Automotive Archaeology. Keep up the great work, and thanks again. And I think that's a great idea because that would look so cool with that with that body style. Um, but I've been looking at some old photographs of the salt flats and the push trucks that they use to push start those, uh, what are they called, belly tank racers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, oh, by the way, just here's another uh, heads up. We just recently published an article on how stuff works called belly how belly tank racers work. And it's pretty interesting stuff, you know, where they came from, how they, you know, evolved through the years. It's really a, kind of a neat article, but cool. um, good photos in it as well. Um, so, yeah, that's a great idea. I love looking at the photos. I get lost in these photos, by the way, because the, um, all the Bonneville salt flat stuff from, you know, back in the 1950s and 60s, mm-hmm. beautiful imagery. Just love looking at it. So push trucks, again, we're definitely going to do that one in the future. Fantastic. So uh, I didn't mean to poach your uh, your mail there, Scott. No, no, that's right. I got a huge stack in front of me here. You want to just burn through a few? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll do them kind of quick here. Um, Alex from Connecticut wrote in and said, during the North American Auto Show, International Auto Show, I was taken back by the beauty of the new Ford GT. Then I started looking into the history of this car and figured, hey, Scott and Ben should do a podcast on this. And you know what? You're right. Yeah. We, we have talked about that in the past, um, the rivalry between – uh, Ford and Ferrari at the time and mm-hmm. you know, why the Ford GT came about. The Ford GT40 came about. And now there's the latest uh, Ford GT. And I think that's the one that you're thinking of is the, the 2005, 2006. And then, of course, the next gen, which is the 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk about all that in an, like an all-encompassing podcast if you want. That's a, I think it's a good idea. That'd be pretty cool. All right. So let's put that on the list as well, Ford GT. Uh, thank you, Alex. I appreciate that. Okay. And here's another one. Yeah. Uh, comes from Dan from Austin, Texas. And well, this is embarrassing, I guess. Another one. <laughs> okay. Now, this is from this year, uh-huh. <laughs> March. However, yeah, one of the lines in this, he said, and he says, I'm still a loyal listener, even though I haven't written for a while, but um, I made the suggestion a number of years ago, uh, but I'll make it, but I'll make it again. Pulse jet engines. And oh, yes, yes, that, yes. That is a pretty good idea. I it mean, is it, a good um, idea. He says, to the best of my knowledge, pulse jets are the only type of engine with no moving parts. And I don't know if that's true or not. I guess it might be. Um, fascinating little fact. Good thing to find out. All right, so these engines were used in World War II V1 buzz bombs, and they were yep. used by the Nazis on London. Uh, do YouTube search for pulse jet go-karts and see how people have adopted these engines for use in go-karts. Uh, that's pretty amazing stuff, and I have done that, and uh, they are pretty fascinating. It's, it's really kind of a, a neat, uh, I'll just say it's a simple technology, really. Right. I mean, no moving parts, how, how difficult is that? But to get these things going <laughs> takes quite a trick, so... Um, yeah, I think it's a good idea. We'll do pulse jet engines. And again, uh, Dan from Austin, Texas, I apologize for us not getting to this years ago when we started this whole thing. Um, <laughs> it's probably on the list somewhere. Well, uh, like, uh, Cheech Marin said in that Ghostbusters film, better late than never. <laughs> I'm kind of cherry picking my quote there. I guess so. I guess so. All right. How about this one? And I'll right. tell you what, let me just keep this uh, real brief, but, okay. um, cause this is a long email. It comes from a guy named Brian M. And Brian M. wrote in about a, uh, um, a Mark suggestion that we could do because he said some of my favorite stuff that you guys have done, our favorite series, um, are about different marks of vehicles, you know, yeah. like, um, you know the, the makes like Rolls-Royce or Bentley or whoever. Um, this is one that we have neglected 
for the whole time that we've been doing this. What? Um, yeah, it's one that we just haven't even really touched on, haven't touched, talked much about it at all, as a matter of fact, uh, except maybe when we talked about rally cars. Um, he wants us to do one on Lancia. Oh, and I, I think yeah. it's a good, good, a good idea. Call. I mean, a lot of industry firsts, of course, you know, with uh, production firsts. Um, and it's also worth noting, as he says, you can buy a Lancia for not a whole lot of money uh, when you compare them to their other Italian counterparts. So, you know, the other Italian cars are quite a bit of money, but here in the U.S., um, you can at least get you can get them for a fraction of the price of the other Italian marks. Oh, so that's sure. why they're a value. Um, I don't know. I think that's it. He just says, uh, you know, they'd like to hear one about that. Yeah, we will totally. I would love to do an episode about Lancia. I definitely would as well. I mean, I think there's a, a good um, history there as mm-hmm. well as even some stuff that goes right up to modern day. I, of course, I'd love any time we get an excuse to talk about rally cars, Group B rally cars in particular. <laughs> right, right, which uh, we do have, what was that, a two-part episode on? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Sorry, Rudy. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Uh, so we do have a, uh, we do have, uh, some tweets I'd like to check out here too. If you have tweeted us at carstuffhsw. Um, all right. So JM wrote to us and said, Hey, here's a show idea. Cell phone related accidents. I just got bumped by a driver on his phone. Well, Jay, first off, we hope you're okay. Second off, uh, this, this is a huge problem, at least where we live, because, uh, you know, here in our neck of the woods, figuratively speaking, there are these big, uh, these big electronic signs that go across the roadway, uh, that will tell you, you know, what the traffic's gonna be like, if there's an accident, if there's gonna be construction. And on the weekends, they used to often say, don't drink and drive. But now, what they say a little bit more often is, don't, it's illegal to be on your phone mm-hmm. while you're driving, and that is because there have been so many accidents that a law was passed here in Atlanta and uh, in a couple of different – I don't know if it's all of Georgia. A no-texting law? No-texting. Or no, no holding the phone no up holding to your, the phone, you know, yeah. phone up to your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be hands-free. And I think below a certain age, you're not allowed to be on the phone at all, even hands-free. Right, yeah, with like uh, – because we do the graduated licensing. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a distracted driver issue. Um, you know what – yeah. Once you're done with that, I, I got something that's tangentially related to that, that I think that, um, I, it's almost an I told you so moment. Ben. Okay. And I, and I, I <laughs> I'm hesitant to bring this up because, I, because it's, it's, I was right. I was right. right. And, I, and I'm proud of this. I'm, it, you know what? I, I don't know if I should say I'm proud of this because this is not something you should be proud of. I, I was accurate with my, with my estimate. How okay. about that? All right. We, you'll know what I'm talking about when I, when I tell you the topic. It's, Remember, you were just talking about the signs that go over the road. We, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. whole thing with the uh, the highway safety films thing, uh, you know, the series that we did. Mm-hmm. And I was, we were talking there about how uh, Georgia highway deaths are up like twenty five percent this year, and that's because of distracted driving. Yes, and at least they're pointing to that right now. They haven't got solid numbers yet, but they will by the end of this year. I'm sure of it. Um, so we talked at some point about the number, and I think we said a couple of different dates, and then I made an a, a guesstimate. Mm-hmm. What I thought they would be at that date. And I'll tell you, Ben, I was almost right on. Really? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how this all played out. Um, and this is a few weeks ago now that we recorded all that. So, you know, the dates are a little bit um, old at this point. But, okay. Uh, we, we quoted April 27th of 2015. The, the death toll here on Georgia highways was 400. And, of course, I know this because of the signs that the DOT that, that updates the uh, the number. 400 people had, had died on Georgia highways in, in uh, 2015 as of April 27, 2015. 
Um, my estimate, remember we did that whole thing with the 25% yep. and the three per yep. day and all that? Yep. On May 14th, when we, when we recorded that episode, my estimate was 464 people had passed away at that point. Now, that was 64 additional people since we had done, you know, uh, part one. You know, between part one and part two. That's a yeah. huge, huge number. You, and that was with all the 25% and all that stuff, you know, the, the calculations they did. Well, it turns out it, you know, that was May 14th we recorded that. As of May 20th, the next time I saw the official count, yeah, my, again, my estimate was 464. As of May 20th, 465. That was the number. That was one off. That's scarily accurate. That was one off. Can you believe that? I mean, after uh, – so so th- this is uh, – I mean, of course, I was happy that I, I did the math correctly, but – this is a, that's an awful, awful number, and mm. I mean it, it's staying right with the pace. I mean it's staying that twenty five percent up, so that that number is not going to decline throughout the rest of the year. I mean I can see it continuing through the end of December. Um, bad news, and yeah. I think it's happening not just here; that's everywhere. Yeah, that's true, and we can unfortunately we can anticipate those numbers to continue. Yeah, an upward trend because. We are no. I, I don't want to sound like some curmudgeon telling the young folk to get off my lawn. But the truth of the matter is that uh, this year, 2015, a lot of the people who are going to be driving for the first time have their f- license for the first time were born in an era where they grew up with cell phones. So there's an interesting argument here. Will these people be more likely to be better drivers with a cell phone? Or, now that's a glass half full answer, mm-hmm. or will uh, there be a rise in accidents because these people didn't grow up driving? No, and unfortunately, they might have seen their parents you know, exhibiting bad behavior as well. That's a good point. Uh, they yeah. learn from watching what the parents do or other adults. So, um, again, I don't mean in any way to, you know, to be gloating about, you know, that I was sure. right with the number or anything like right. that. But, You're but, not gloating. but the numbers I find fascinating and and. Just horrific that this that this number is climbing so high so fast, and I know that in other states it's doing the same thing. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Probiotics aren't a trend anymore. They're a mainstay in the health and wellness aisle of your favorite store. And Nature's Way Women's Probiotic Pearls are the easiest way to introduce a probiotic into your routine. 
I mean, they're just what they sound like. Adorable little pearls that couldn't be easier to take. But they still pack that probiotic punch. Each tiny pearl has one billion active cultures and protect against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort. And they actually support both digestive and vaginal health. So that's a win-win. And according to my little fact sheet here, they're designed with a triple layer coating that protects each pearl from stomach acid. So they can make it all the way to your small intestine where they're needed most. You probably didn't think we'd be talking about the small intestine today, did you? Well, digestive health is kind of important. If you know, you know. To learn more about Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls and how they can fit into your routine, visit naturesway.com. In other states, is probably uh, the, the rate is probably much higher. In states like uh, with a higher population density, yeah, um, especially you know, Calif- uh, especially Southern California is probably pretty big. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York, I could say, DC definitely, yeah, just because. I'm sorry, DC listeners, but. Uh, that's a crazy town to drive in. It is. It is pretty much Mad Max out yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I thought I'd uh, just tell you that you know, unfortunately, the numbers are, are staying on track the way that they have been the first part of the year. Well, since we're talking about uh, future stuff, let me ask you this: um, Our our buddy Stuart L. Uh, hey, Stuart, longtime listener of the show. He writes into us pretty frequently. Uh, he he asked on Twitter. He said, "Is it just me, or does the next generation of Civic completely blow the current one out of the water?" What do you think, Scott? I thought this might be uh, something you have a pretty strong opinion on. No, I on. do. And you know what? We keep hearing, not only not only is it a great car, just the Civic itself. But, sure. But um, we keep hearing about this Type R that's coming. Yeah. And I, ju- I just, I really hope that it, it sticks at some point because it, it's like, it's always, yeah, it's coming, it's not coming. It is coming. No, it's not coming. It's back and forth. And I haven't heard a solid answer yet if we're going to get it or not. Right. Um, it's out there. It's going to be produced. It's just a matter of whether it's going to be available here on U.S. shores or not. And I hope we get it. But, uh, yeah, he's right. I mean, I think that the uh, the current generation Civic is an, is a pretty amazing vehicle. It has good looks and a lot of really um, what would have been extremely high-end features just a few years ago yeah. are on this vehicle. It's it's really a pretty impressive package. And we've talked before about doing a, a strictly SI podcast, you know, the SI line of Honda vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe we'll get around to that sometime soon because I'm interested in that uh, because of you know previous cars that I've owned and just what I've seen on the streets recently. Some pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, no kidding, man. There's some there's some great stuff in the works here. But what, what do you think? Do you agree with him? Do you do you like the new Civic? Are you, uh, you're not particularly a Honda guy by any means, but right. um, but what do you think? I mean, just a well, general impression. The Honda Civic is a great car, in my opinion, in previous gens as well. Uh, so I'm, I have very high hopes for the new one mm-hmm. because it seems like this next iteration is, I mean, blow the, blow, uh, blow the old one out the water is not a bad phrase. It is going to be a noticeable improvement. I'll tell you this. I'd love to drive one. I'm probably not going to buy one, but I'd love to take a test drive. Well, somewhere. they're getting closer to almost like what the Acura line is. Yeah. Um, in, yeah. In, in, but they're offering it at the Honda level. And I like that. Yeah, and now we just have to see if that holds up, mm-hmm. if you can have your cake and eat it too, That's right? Yep. Uh, Acura and uh, Honda-wise, or should I say financially. Um, all right, so. <laughs> yeah, true. All right, and here's the next one. Uh, Kelly D. wrote in um, response to our U-Haul podcast, which was, I think, a surprise for us and hopefully a surprise for you guys as well. Uh, Kelly says, hey, guys, listen to your show on how U-Haul works. I've never worked for U-Haul, but I did work for a rental car company many years ago in Alberta, Canada. 
right? Uh, Scott, you're nodding. You yeah, know this one. Yeah. I read that one. Yeah. yeah. I think I can lend some insight into the poor maintenance that has occurred with some of their fleet. And this is pretty interesting stuff. That, that's me talking, not Kelly. Um, basically, they have to look at incentives or perhaps the lack thereof. Worst case scenario, each franchise pays for whatever maintenance is required for units on their lot. Best case scenario, the corporation pays for all the maintenance for the entire fleet and spreads those costs across the franchise. Either way, unit maintenance takes time, and that time is taken away from the unit making money. With the company being set up for one-way trips, there is a huge incentive to send trucks and trailers needing maintenance on a one-way trip. A, the unit is making money, and B, the franchise doesn't need to worry about unit downtime for maintenance and coordinating that maintenance. Oh, I don't like this at all. That's passing the problem along. That is so crooked. Yeah. It, it sounds like it's perfectly legal, but gosh, what poor business practice. No, it's not perfectly legal, and I'll tell you why. I mean, they can do that within their own corporation, fine, but when that vehicle it gets to a point where it's not roadworthy, according to the Department of Transportation, that's when it's not legal. Then, then they're not allowed to be leasing vehicles to people that that are um, inadequate in some way. You know, they don't have the right brakes. They don't have the, right. um, uh, the proper suspension parts that, that they. You know, that that's true. They've rattled pieces loose that are that are now missing that are critical. So it's just it's it's just crooked but legal up to a certain point, and that point is roadworthiness. Yes. Uh, so Kelly goes on and says. The company I worked for had maintenance for the entire Alberta fleet shared amongst the corporate branches. So an individual unit's maintenance did not directly affect the branch, nor people receiving profit share from that branch, unless something grossly went wrong, like not doing an oil change for over 25,000 miles and an engine seizing. It happened a couple of times. 25,000 on, yeah. on a U-Haul truck? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Kelly says regularly scheduled maintenance was made known to the staff when entering in the final odometer reading when closing a rental contract. Vehicles were often re-rented before doing the oil change when vehicle availability was slim or, you know, 95% of the fleets on rent. It was always a numbers game. Reports were generated to see how many vehicles in the fleet required oil changes, and if the numbers got too high, upper management worked on plans to reduce those numbers. A couple things I always thought were weird was how GM and Chrysler vehicles were triggered at 10,000 kilometers for oil changes instead of the standard 5,000, and Ford vehicles were triggered at 8,000. This was approved by the manufacturer and did not void warranties. Also, if, let's say, a Sierra half-ton was returned at 9,990 kilometers since last oil change, still under the threshold, it would get re-rented unless somebody really paid attention to their fleet for possibly weeks on end with the client adding significant mileage. So back to U-Haul. Like I mentioned, uh, it's all about incentives. Sorry for the long email. Thanks for the great work. Um, P.S. I know you guys don't often, often venture into aviation, but if you were to do a podcast on the Avro Aero CF-105, it would make a great episode. This Canadian superjet was an amazing interceptor, but was canceled in 59 on a day known as Black Friday in Canadian a- aviation history. Some of the scientists ended up working for NASA. Hmm. Now that I think about it, maybe this is more a story for stuff they don't want you to know. Mm, a Canadian <laughs> superjet that was canceled. I like that. That's yeah. A, that's a great idea. That's right. You cool. know what? That's a fascinating email. I remember reading that one. It came yeah. in not long ago. Uh huh. And, uh, new. yeah, it's very new. And I just, I, I was blown away by, you know, just the, the outright, like, passing the buck that, that is going on there. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah. like, well, let's pass that down the road and let them take care of that. And uh, if they do, fine. If they don't, they can pass it on as well. Why not? We're doing it too. But that's an excellent, I think that's an excellent articulate explanation of 
the incentives behind this. It was. Know? It was. Yeah, it was a good it was a good explanation. And uh, it's it's scary to hear what goes on behind the scenes sometimes in some of these big, big companies that, yeah. um, you know, they, they lose track of the, the little details along the way. Sometimes. Uh, yeah, no kidding. It sounds like they kind of they do know what's going on, but maybe they're, uh, you know, turning a blind eye to that a little bit. Um, you know, we, I think that goes back to we talked about the trucks that were for sale on the lot sometimes. You, know, you, can, oh, buy, yeah, 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 you yeah. can buy used U-Haul trucks for sale. And I, I think I said in the episode, you, know, you can, but is it, is it a good idea? Um, maybe we're answering that right now. I don't know. I, cool. I don't want to dissuade anybody if there's a great deal out there, but right. um, I don't know. Uh, well, here's the, here's like, the like thing. Buying a rental car. Yeah, Same it's thing. true. Yeah, or buying a store model, yeah. a demo model, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Especially anything with a hinge. That's one of the, <laughs> that's one of the things I will because I'm so I'm so ridiculously thrifty, man. But that's one of the things that I will I will not fold on. I will not buy a store demo model of something if it has a hinge because people are coming in every day and pushing the button on that you know yeah on that coffee maker that toaster. You or know whatever. what? I, I've never heard this before. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. It's that's kind a- of a it's kind of a bend rule. That's, I a, didn't. that's a neat way to think about things. Like if it, if it has moving parts that people often fiddle with on the on the store yeah, shelf. Yeah, don't do it. Don't don't mess with it because it's it's already probably halfway through its life. Which is why I wouldn't buy a rental car. Which is why I mean yeah. you'd have to be super selective, but I probably wouldn't. Do you mind if I adopt that rule for my own? Sure, but I mean, but, uh, uh, I'll give you full credit. Okay, well then we're cool. Full we're, credit, we're fair. Um, <laughs> I will call it we'll, the bowling rule. Oh wow. I think my dad actually already has a few things called the bowling rule. <laughs> okay, I'll, I've, I'll work on the name. I've never figured it out. It changes. I it, will work on the name. All right. So, uh, so let's see. we got time for a couple more if you want. Sure. All right. Um, here's one from uh, Adrian T. Now, Adrian writes in quite a bit as well. He says, hi, guys. You've done a podcast on being able to buy expensive cars cheap with depreciation, but here's a great cautionary tale of the flip side of owning an expensive car for cheap. And this is all about, well, actually coming from an Edmonds article, um, about a Mercedes-Benz CL-class vehicle that they use for a long-term road test. And it's kind of the wrap-up of the whole thing, you know, like when, when they're done uh-huh. with the vehicle. And uh, do you, you mind if I just read through it real yeah, quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, it's a short paragraph, but it's interesting. Um, it says, this article on Edmonds shows how they bought it, um, how they bought a then 8-year-old 2005 Mercedes CL65 AMG with 56,000 miles on the clock for only $34,000. Now, the original sticker price was over $180,000 on that vehicle. So here we are, eight years eight years later, it's wow. worth $34,000. So it says, he says they, they paid only 18% of its original value. So in other words, it had depreciated 82% at this point. 82%. Holy a $180,000 $180, car had depreciated 82%. Now, the real shocker, if that wasn't already shocking enough, was the maintenance. In one year, it cost them $11,551 and 41 days in the shop for maintenance. Now, can you imagine being without your car for 41 days out of the year and have to pay $11,500? To me, what was even more shocking was the additional $13,633 of recommended work that they didn't do. Wow. So that would have brought the total to over $25,000 in maintenance for that one year that they own this thing. Um, they sold the car privately for only $20,000, so their cost of ownership was a staggering $25,551. And that's without the stuff that they didn't do. So you could have added another uh, 13,006 onto that. Uh, wow. Incredible. So they, they only put 16,000 miles on the car. And when you average all this out, the cost, um, you know, with gas and insurance and all that, it cost them a dollar sixty per mile to drive that vehicle for that year. Can you imagine the, the I mean, owning something like that no. that was just sucking your wallet dry every single day? 
Um, so that's a, a really good idea is that, you know, we talk about the dangers of depreciation maybe and, and maybe we can come up with some more examples of this. Yeah, I would love to check that out in the, in the future because depreciation is so tricky and so unequal. Yeah, and so he, he says, uh, you know, I'm sure the story will have the notorious uh, fiscally careful Ben quaking in his shoes at the thought of that much, <laughs> mo- of that much money going down the drain. Keep up the good work, Adrian. You're right, man. <laughs> I mean, I won't get things with yeah. an inch. Fiscally careful. Box. After we had just talked about no, that's that. So, yeah. that's, that's such a kind way to put it. Yeah. I guess the Boy Scout Oath got to me. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got one. Uh, in addition to being a par- uh, cartoonishly thrifty, I, I have uh, I have to apologize. Everybody, I've got some bad news. I'm getting a look from our super producer, Noel Brown, which means that we uh, need to mosey on out of here. We knew we wouldn't get to every email, though. How about this? One more super, super quick, one more thing. Yes. One more thing. This is just something that I felt I had to fit in here because I haven't responded to this guy yet. All right. Um, Jason Morgan, who writes into us often, mm-hmm. he sent us a book called Against the Wind uh, by Ron Ayers. And it's about the Iron Butt Rally. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. A, it arrived. I wanted him to know it arrived. And uh, we've got it. We're, we're taking a look through it right now. And we are going to, in the future, do something on the Iron Butt Rally, I promise. It's a, it's an interesting tale. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we love getting mail. If you're interested, you can always feel free to send a uh, send a book our way because we'll read it. Um, or, you know, any, anything that, that comes up. We get some really cool postcards now and then. Uh, so we are going to head out, but I think we're going to have to return for a part two of Listener Mail. Definitely. We promise we won't do a Listener Mail part three at the same time. But uh, if uh, you enjoyed this, uh, we'd like to hear your take on some of the ideas proposed, anything from Enzo Ferrari to push trucks to the Avro and beyond. Uh, I'd also like to thank Rudy, Jonathan, Chris, Nick, Jonathan A, Doug L, Alex, Dan, J.M., uh, Stuart, Kelly, Adrian, Jason, and I miss one name uh, you wrote into about uh, about Valencia. Uh, that's a fantastic suggestion. Valencia. Here, yeah. I'll, I'll comb through my notes okay. here while you talk. And while you're doing that, I'll, I'll uh, go ahead and let you know that you can take a page out of their book and contact us on Facebook or Twitter. You can check out our website, carstuffshow.com, for everything we've ever done. And a very special thank you to... Brian M. Brian M. Okay, thank you for the Lancia suggestion. Uh, if you want to write to us directly and you don't like the whole social media hu- hullaboo, hubaloo, hullaboo, hullaboo, brouhaha, then you can, you can send us an email directly uh, and try to get it in before we record our next listener mail episode. Our address is carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. 
Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug needed. Right, let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 